Good morning. Welcome to Watch Fair Road. Glad you are here today. And we welcome everybody that's uh, viewing us online. Uh, appreciate your support and being here too. Uh, you know, we sing that song, Troublesome Times Are Here. You know, many will meet their doom. Kind of almost sing like we're glad it's happening. It's not really, we're not. But the good part of the thing is that we're rising to meet the Lord in the sky and all that good. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about that during this wrap-up of this series in Second Peter called Faithful to the Finish. And so that's where we are in our study today. Before we get uh, uh, into our study, a little housekeeping to take care of. Uh, you know what this is, right? Coffee cup? I, and by the way, Ryan Hammett handles our coffee ministry and uh, thank you so much, Ryan, wherever you are. We appreciate you. Because I'm telling you, I need all the help waking this group up I can get. And uh, no, not really. Uh, but uh, what, it's a great ministry of hospitality. And uh, I've seen all of y'all when you miss your coffee. And we're, I'm determined to keep it out there for you, okay? Now, it's a coffee cup. It's not a... Cup. Got that? Now, in our church, is a little different. You know, we're pretty laid back about a lot of things. But when your spit cup is smelling so bad, a woman has to leave Bible class because she can't stand it anymore, I, I, I'm drawing the line right there, all right? Is that okay? We're going to draw the line there. Look, look, look. You can save. I've never had an applause for spit comment. You can, you can save your spitting and chewing and all that, you know, uh, till, till when you get out of the building at least. I, look, I understand. I'm not saying spitting and chewing or smoking. I'm not saying that we'll send you to hell. I'm just saying if you're smoking, you, you'll smell like you've already been there. <laughs> and if you're headed there, you'll get there a whole lot quicker. I'm just, I'm just saying. All right? So we want to try to stay just a little housekeeping there. Please uh, don't do that in here. Keep that outside somewhere, and I appreciate your help on that. All right. Let's turn to the book of Second Peter chapter 3. Only at Washbury Road do you have to address dipping and chewing in the assembly. Nowhere else. you got to love it, right? This whole section earlier, right before this section of Scripture, he says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and we're all waiting for it. And so now with that promise, as God's people, what are the things we ought to be doing as we wait for that to happen? I mean, you hear all these guys, sometimes they get on TV or they get on uh, publicity about hey, that Jesus is coming again, it's the fearful stuff, it's the, he's going to get you, he's going to do all this kind of stuff that takes place. And look, all the doom and gloom and fire and brimstone, all that kind of stuff is going to happen to ungodly people, no doubt about it. God's going to take care of all that. But for God's people, the coming of Christ is an exciting thing. It's something we anticipate. So when he comes, what should he find us doing? What are the things we ought to be doing from now till the time he arrives? Uh, and look, we don't know when that'll be. And by the way, if you have somebody that's telling you they know exactly when it's going to happen, find you another teacher. Because nobody knows. The Bible's clear. No one knows the hour. That's why he talks about it. It's going to come like a thief in the night, twinkling of an eye. We don't know. That's just not information we're privy to. We don't have to know that. But as we wait, what does he want us doing? So he says this, 
So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with Him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. And the church said, Amen. So the first thing he tells us that we ought to be doing before the coming of the Lord. He says you ought to be found doing this. Making every effort to keep yourself unspotted, to keep yourself blameless. Basically, make every effort to act in a way that is holy. That's what we ought to be doing. When Jesus finds us, when he bursts through the clouds again, that's what he ought to find us doing, making effort. Now look, we're not going to be perfect. That's not going to happen. It's not about perfection, it's about direction. It's about attitude, it's about our walk, it's about the direction we're going in life, and we're going to be making efforts to be the kind of holy people. And he says something else, as you wait, you also need to be at peace. Now let me talk about this for a minute, because there are so many people who have unsettling feelings about the end of the world, or about what it will be like when when we die, or or about Jesus coming again. Listen, until He comes again... He says we ought to make effort by being at peace. That means sometimes you have to make an effort at this. Sometimes you have to grow into this. You have to learn, you have to gain some confidence in what God says. You and I can be at peace. Now, there are some things that he talks about in the next verse that destroy our peace. And destroy our holiness, by the way. Because if you remember in the reading, he says in verse 15 through 17, that... That this living at peace ought to happen because we understand that when God is patient, He's doing that so He can get more people saved. Look, I know for us, when we don't understand that, it's real easy for us to get impatient. We see some injustice take place and we want to make it right. We see someone we think gets away with something. We see something terrible happen in the, in the world. Uh, uh, we see an atrocity take place. And we want to make it right, or we want God to make it right right then. But the Bible says that God is patient. Matter of fact, earlier in this chapter, God is long-suffering because He desires all men to be saved. And so we need to learn to have peace during the patience of God. And that we don't have to settle every injustice that takes place. God has that on His radar. Nobody's going to mess up with God. He's going to take care of everything. So you and I don't have to be panicky about that. We need to be people who are at peace. You know why? Because that's a testimony to the world that we're confident in the good news of Jesus. Who from the world and looking out into God's family, if they see us as being people who are worrying and who are anxious and who have no peace about the coming of Christ, why would they want to be a part of us? Why would they want to be a part of our family if we're all miserable and panicking all the time ourselves? No, God's people must be stable, at peace, confident people 
faithful to the finish, resting assured that God's going to do what He promised. And so we need people to learn to live at peace. The other thing that, take, uh, uh, that takes a place that steals our peace is this misunderstanding of Scripture sometimes. That they get distorted, the NIV says. That's the word that means twisted in some versions. And from the original language, means to torture, to take and turn and hurt. That's the idea that sometimes people do that with Scripture. Look, obsession with fearful with a fearful future always always lends itself to be pessimistic and create doubt in people's lives. Our God takes care of the present. He's already taken care of the past and he'll take care of the future, I promise. Whether it's politics or personal pain, whether it's our money or our mistakes, our health or our heart, our holiness or our sinfulness, our discouragement or our depression, our family or our nation, power seen or unseen, He takes care of it for He is still King of kings, Lord of lords, and Prince of peace. Peace. People think they go to such extremes sometimes. By the way, this next thing he talks about, this misunderstanding scriptures. If someone, if you find someone explaining away the simple to interpret the difficult, they're probably not on the right track. Now think about that a minute. If you're explaining a way very simple to understand things in order to interpret something difficult, you're not looking at the Bible in a wise way. Look, the Bible was written and the main message of the Bible was written so that all of us, learned or unlearned, could understand this message of the gospel. You do not have to know the original language of the book to understand the main message of Jesus. I'm all for studying, I'm all for learning things, but I'm telling you, we miss the boat. We make it more difficult than what it is. And what he's saying, Peter is saying, that there were people coming in among weak and vulnerable people twisting the Scriptures to make them say what they wanted to say for their own benefit and their own good. And he said, they'll lead you away and cause you to leave your stability. You'll lose your secure position. And boy, so many times that's so easy to happen. When this book was written and this message was going out, by the way, he refers to Paul's writings as Scripture even back then. Don't you understand? This was going out to people, a ton of people who couldn't read or write. These are people who are hearing the message of Jesus and it's changing their life and they're saying, how do you want us to live now? And Peter's giving them some answers. Here's how you live till Jesus comes again. We just make it more difficult than we should. I, you know, sometimes I, I get tickled. If you ever want to see some of the extreme stuff that takes place, I mean... Uh, you know, I get on social media. I'm on, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I know you all want to be my friends. I'm sure, all 12 of you probably sign up today. Uh, but some of the things I read online about the scare tactics about the end of the world, the extreme views, 
of where I'm hiding bottles of water, I'm filling my shed full of ammunition, I'm doing all this kind of stuff. Look, that's not Christians. That shouldn't be us. We're not worried about the end. We ought to be people who are at peace, not at panicking. We ought to be people who understand, look, it's okay. Look, I want to do everything. I pray for revival of our country and our nation. I really do. And I pray God to bring that about. But if He doesn't bring it about, it doesn't change my belief. It doesn't change my peace. It doesn't change my confidence. Because I want to be found serving Him. Whatever nation I live in and whatever circumstance it is, I can be faithful to the finish, regardless of what's happening in the world. Now, I want to do my best to be salt and light, right? We want to do our job. That's us. We ought to impact the world around us. But look, regardless of culture, it's not going to cause worry to rule my life. And if you are in some kind of an extreme thinking where you're always worried about what might happen, that's not going to be a healthy place to be spiritually. Really is. And then all of a sudden, you're open to people who would come in with the Bible and all of a sudden twist scriptures to make you worry even more. No, stay away from that. You trust what you know. Look, I want to study. I want to be open-minded. But I don't want to be so open-minded my brains fall out, right? I mean, one of the best... One of the best hermeneutics we have is our own common sense. If we'll just read the book and follow it. So be careful of false teachers. In Peter's day, they were sneaking right in among the church, swaying and destroying people's confidence. You put your confidence in God and what His Word has said. How do I want to be found? I want to be found growing. I want to grow, the Bible says in this verse, you grow in the grace of Jesus and you grow in the knowledge of Jesus. And then you give God the glory. Look, that's growing as a process. So when, when he finds me, I want God to find me making efforts to be holy, at peace with him and with other people, and growing in grace and knowledge. Now look, this thing of growing in grace and knowledge. You can't grow in knowledge if you don't expose yourself to the Word of God. I know part of this is about growing in our relationship, but part of this is, is, is learning what God says and seeing. Look, we have Bible classes here all the time. You need to get in a Bible class. You need to expose yourself to the Scripture. You need to take it home, sit down and read it. Get with other people and say, look, let's just do a good old-fashioned Bible study. Grow yourself through the Word of God. It's useful. It's helpful. It'll correct and train your life. It'll benefit everything you do. It has something to say about how to have a great marriage, how to have a great success in, in your career, how to be a good student. How everything is a ju- everything, everything is dealt with by the Bible. Everything from how to be kind how to have a great relationship with my kids, all the one another verses that deal with relationships, the Bible's answer, grow. Get in some studies, get in some classes, get in some of the small groups and grow in your knowledge. And then grow in grace. Look, I don't have all the answers. I know the simple stuff of the gospel and I know how to, how to, be, how to be saved and and, I, and I've been fortunate to be around some great guys who have shared a lot of things with me over the years in ministry. 
But I don't have all the answers in this book. And so we're all still growing. So as we learn and as we teach, we must always do that from a position of humility and a position of open-heartedness. We're not better than anybody else. And our church can never promote a spirit that says, we got all the answers and your church doesn't. Terrible spirit. We're not like that. No, we're a place that says, hey, come grow with us. We're all in this thing together. Hey, we're all only saved by the grace of God, right? And on top of that, look, give people grace who differ from you in the Scripture as you study and grow together. Give them grace. Allow people to study. Look, you come study with me. I'll allow you to be wrong. I mean, I'll allow you to... You got that, right? Some of you a little slow. You're like, what is that? Let's, let's let each other study and grow and allow ourselves, give ourselves grace to one another as we study and as we grow. So we grow in this knowledge and we grow in this grace. In the end, we give God the glory. Here's what I want you to take home today. I think his message out of Peter has a message for us. It says this, choose holiness over worldliness. Now, you and I know the difference. We can see it clearly. You choose holiness over worldliness. Then he says, choose peace over panic. Don't be someone who's running around scared that everything you touch in life is going to bring you harm. I mean, all the extreme positions, everything from health to, to, to theology, has all, all has their extreme positions. You know, I, if, if I drink out of a plastic bottle, am I going to die three minutes earlier? I don't care. I got news for you. I mean, I want to be healthy, right? But look, I want to die cutting into a good steak about medium rare. Matter of fact, maybe even rare. Sometimes I like it rare. I like to think that my knife caused the final blow. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, that's the way I want to go. Because as good as that is, I, I, I'm convinced we're going to have better ones in heaven. It's all about feasting. And, 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 you know, the good thing I love about the book of Revelation, it describes two things. You're going to have some feast in heaven and some singing. And I love to sing and eat. And I'm like, I'm going to be happy there. It's got, i got it made. Don't go to extremes that make you miserable inside. Use your common sense. Be at peace with God, with other people, with yourself. Knowing God's grace is taking care of you. And don't let others take you away from the stability and peace that God's given you. You choose holiness over worldliness. You choose peace over panic. And you choose Christ over everything. We just uh, got back from a little road trip, Susan and I. We were in Branson, Missouri, where the weather in the morning was awesome, and then I came back to this. <laughs> kind of reminded me of heaven and hell. Uh, <laughs> but while, while we were there, we went through this, the Titanic Museum. When you first walk in the door, they give you a card. I don't know if any of you have been through that. 
They give you a card and you have a name on that card and it tells them about that person. At the end of the at the end of the tour, you find out if you lived or if you died. And so Kristen's there. Kristen gets her card and she says, "Oh, look, this is neat." She's a uh, I'm a Spanish speaker. My daughter speaks Spanish. Yeah, I thought, well, that's pretty cool. And uh, I got my card, and I looked at mine. I, I'm a reverend. I thought, hey, that's, that's pretty good. So, uh, uh, Susan, what would you get, you know? And I, she got some kind of businesswoman doing something. I don't know what it was. But uh, my card, my wife was dead. Uh, sorry, Susan. Uh, but uh, this reverend was on the Titanic with his daughter, and he had recently lost his wife, and he was there. And so as we go through the museum, it tells his story. At the end, there's a wall of ministers who were heroes. And he's one of them. And when I read his story, at the very end, it says that as he died in the icy waters around the Titanic, he was preaching Jesus for people to be saved to the very end. And I thought, that's what I want to be doing. When the end comes, that's what I want to be about right there. Today, that's what you can be about. Christ over everything. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I encourage you, you put your faith in Him. You walk down this aisle, confess Jesus is Lord. We'll baptize you into Christ. And you walk away starting all over brand new. And that's a good way to start a day. I already had that happen, by the way, just in between services to somebody. If you've been, if you found yourself being swayed and you're off for whatever reason, then get back on board of being focused on make sure God finds you the way you want to be found when Jesus comes again. That way you can anticipate and look forward to his coming. I don't know when it'll be, but when it comes, I'm going to be excited that it's here. And however long God waits, I know I can wait because that just means he's saving more and more people. So I'm okay too if he waits. But if he doesn't, hey, I'm ready right now. How about you? Be ready to go today. If you have a need to come, do so while together we stand and sing.